Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. We are continuing with our relationship series. And, uh, you know, a series, anytime you start dealing with relationships, um, it, it, can, it can expose and uncover some things in our own lives. And so part of this is a using, or not, not using, but leveraging the Word of God for us so we can make the changes that are necessary in our lives. Because all of us, we would say that it, all in our journey, relationships can be some of the most difficult things we have to walk through. And here's the truth, or the reality of truth is this, is that if all we needed was to hear truth to bring forth change, we would all be changed in this room. But that's not all it takes. I'll say that again. If all we needed to change was to be exposed to truth, then all of us would be changed in this room. But it's not just being exposed to truth or hearing truth. It's the application of truth in our lives. It's how we use it, how we lean into it, how we apply it to our relationships, to our families, how we respond internally. I think so many times, especially probably in our area of the body of Christ where we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and we believe in those, in those things, and the power of the Spirit, and all of that. Many times we, we can leverage and, th- and think of those things and lean into those things. Nothing wrong with that. But we can forget about the daily application and transformation of our own hearts through the Word of God in us and through us. Because this isn't just about power. This is also about the application of the Word of God, that we can read the Word of God, but if we don't transform ourselves or change or submit to it, we don't see any of the fruit in our lives. Amen? Amen. And so all of us understand that our relationships can be a struggle, that we need truth, and we need the application of truth, but we also need the grace of God to give us the ability to apply truth. And so my heart towards you and as your pastor is that all of us in this room could take a step forward in our relationships, how we respond, not just romantically, but how we respond in our, in our friendships with in-laws, with people in the church, with people in our lives, that we could be people of the word. We will be people that apply the word, that live the word, that walk out the word, that actually have fruits of the spirit in our lives of love, joy, peace, patience, and that we could all today, I'm not talking about taking leaps and bounds and transformation within one day. This is a daily application of God's word in our lives. So today, I want us to take one step forward. Everyone say forward. And so I'm going to talk to you today about something that we probably don't hear a whole lot about because as Christians we think, you know what, I don't really have this in my life. But James, in the, in the book of James, is writing to a group of people and he's focused on relationships. He's telling them how to respond. And, and during, during the series, we've come back to this particular passage several times. But he's writing them and, and telling them how to respond. And I, I want you to look at this passage out of James chapter 3. And we have it here on the screens. And this passage says this, And this is what we're dealing with today. For where you have envy, everybody say envy. You find disorder and every evil practice. 
So a lot of us today say, you know, Jason, I don't, I don't have envy in my life. I, you know, I'm, I'm good. I, but, but here's the reality. I think a lot of us have envy in our lives, and we don't even know it. And so the point of today is for us to, to evaluate our lives, allow the Word of God to speak to us and transform us and do something in us so that we can take a step forward because we want to handle our relationships without envy. Because where you have envy, you have every evil practice. But the truth is, is envy is a real thing in our relationships. It's a real thing in our workplace. It's a real thing in our marriages. It's a real thing in our friendships. It's a real thing in the body of Christ. It's a real thing. And James said, it's important that you evaluate and and adjust and figure out if you have envy. And because if you don't, you will have active in your life every evil practice. Now, envy that we're dealing with today, it's a little different than jealousy. Jealousy is about, you know what, I want, I want what you have. And so we're focused on, I want what the other person has. But envy says, I want what you have, but I also want you to lose what you have. It's about, I want it, and I wish you didn't have it. And because you have it, and I don't have it, I'm rooting and hoping that you lose it. Envy can raise its head in many of, of our relationships, in, in our families. Listen, the, the Bible's full of examples of sibling envy, rivalry, Jacob and Esau, Cain and Abel, Rachel and Leah, Joseph and his brothers. We can have envy in our workplace, in the school. Listen, our kids have to deal this, deal with this and walk through this every day probably of their lives during the week, comparing clothes, comparing cars, boyfriends, girlfriends, grades, athletic ability. We can have church envy, location envy, beach envy, budget envy, body envy, intelligence envy, friendship envy. One thing you guys don't have to worry about is pastor envy because you have me. I mean, what else is there? No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, a little bit more. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, but there is a real effect of envy on our relationships. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us today. Are you guys open to this? We're going to get into this. So you have your notes there. We're going to look at the effects of envy. And we're going to allow the Word of God to speak to us and help us take a step forward in our relationships today. Again, James 3.16, where you have envy, you find every disorder, a disorder in every evil practice. So number one, what is the effect of envy in our lives? Number one, straight up, it just makes you grumpy. You're just unhappy. Just makes you unhappy. And here's the truth, it's impossible for you to be envious and happy at the same time. It won't happen. Envy is to our internal, emotional life, well-being. It's, it's the same as what sickness is to our bodies. It will drain you of your life if you're not careful. Left untreated, it will turn into an infection and destroy you. Envy that, that is accepted as normal. You know, it's just accepted. It's okay. I mean, that's just life. You're just frustrated with people and how they are blessed and you're not blessed. And that's just the way, the way it is. But if you embrace it, what happens is, is then it becomes an obsession of the other person. And it'll soon lead you to living a life trying to beat them or trying to have something that they have instead of trying to obey God and just have what God wants you to have. Instead of, instead of you living your life for God it can eat you up, it can exhaust you, it can make you miserable, it makes you unhappy. 
And the key to you living a life of relational peace, relational wholeness, where you can rest and you can be okay and and you can just chill out and relax when you're around other people that may be more successful than you and better looking than you or whatever it may be. The whole key to living a happy life is to get rid of envy in your life. Number two, what is the effect of envy? Is it creates tension and it creates conflict. Creates tension and conflict. So James chapter 3 says this, what cause, chapter 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Envy is a withinward battle you have to deal with. It's an inward battle you got, you got, to, you got to process through. You have to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Many of us are, are striving Maybe to be number one. We're like, man, I just want to be number one. There's nothing wrong with striving to have excellence. Nothing wrong with striving to succeed. Nothing wrong with striving actually to have more influence. I pray that God gives me more influence all the time. It's part of my daily prayer. God, I pray that you give me your favor, favor with man, favor with you. And I ask you that you would give me influence for your sake. I pray that all the time. Nothing wrong with desiring to be a leader. Matter of fact, out of the pastoral epistles, it says, if anyone is among you that wants to lead, you are desiring a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But part of the issue is sometimes we want to be number one or maybe top five or top ten. Not, not, so, that, not so that we can bring glory to God, so that we can have the image in, the, in our lives that will show other people how good we actually are. Many times envy is not about you wanting what someone else has. It's about you living your life in such a way that it makes other people want what you have. It's envy in the same way. It may not be directly in people's faces where you're trying to see, see, look at me. I got some stuff. Don't you want to look? Don't you want to live where I live? Don't you want to drive what I drive? Don't you want to vacation where I vacation? If we don't totally rub it in people's face. We kind of do. We, we might do it. And remember, motive is everything. There's nothing wrong with you living in a nice house or driving a nice car or have a nice boat or, 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 or going on great. But nothing wrong with that at all because it's God's blessing on your life and I'm so happy. For you, But if your motive of all of that is to prove yourself, to show yourself, hey, look at me, look what I got, that's envy. So we may not rub it in people's faces, but we can drop hints along the way about maybe hints about our house or our kids. Or this can also have the effect of envy, is that it's so difficult for us to compliment somebody else. Because we're afraid if I compliment you, then you'll feel like that I have noticed something that's going on good in your life and I don't want to do that. Because I really want you to notice what's going on in my life. I can't compliment your kid that they did good in sports because if I do that, then I, by, by me saying that, I'll be happy that your kid got to play more than my kid. And I won't do that. Because I really want you to envy my kid. I don't want to be envying your kid. And that's what's going on right now. So I'm not going to say anything to you. It's envy. Eats us up. Robs us of actual friendships and relationships. And the Lord wants to deal with that in our hearts today. Envy is one of the major causes in in relational conflict. It robs us from our peace. It also affects our marriages, believe it or not. Envy and, and relationships or marriage sounds something like this. I'm really frustrated. You have more flexibility than I have. Or you have more freedom than I do. Or you pay more attention to your job than you do to me. 
Or you get to go play golf or part of your work is to go on a business dinner. Good for you. I'm here feeding this child, having hot pocket and a bottle to say thanks a lot. Well, people know who you are. They don't know who I am. You're more important than me. You get more freedom in your life. It's envy. For some reason, I want to share with you a bit of an epidemic that has that has come about in the counseling world over the last several years. Um, and so I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to state the facts about this. Don't hear what I'm not saying today. I know that in a marriage, in a marriage that breaks down, it takes two to tango. I promise you I understand that. But there are also some, some deceptions that can come in. And I believe the root of that is evil. And, and, and I know there's been some issues of both husbands and wives, husbands leaving and wives leaving, but particularly lately with women that feel empty. They feel lost because of life. And the enemy exploits that in their life. And, and I'm not placing blame. I'm just stating the fact that in the counseling world, they needed to coin a phrase because so many wives were leaving their families and divorcing their ho- husbands for no biblical reasons. They had to coin a phrase that was called walk away wife syndrome. And the language on most cases of that situation from a wife leaving was language like this. I don't know who I am anymore. I just want to be myself. I feel like I've lost who I am. I want to be more free. And all of us, what it is is they trace it. They begin, we, we start, they started comparing their lives with someone else's. Or many times, and I'll just be honest with you, what happens when a couple gets married young and they start having babies right away, they, they get, it's, it's exhausting, it's tiring, and, and the wife many times can lose herself. And instead of saying, hey, time out, time out, sweetheart, I'm exhausted, I don't know who I am anymore, and I need some help, and the husband and wife working through, and the husband coming alongside and supporting and strengthening her in her weakness, and what happens, the enemy uses it and begins to drive it apart. And so people, so wives have just started walking away. They're going to be themselves. I want to live the life of freedom. And because I got married young, I never really got to live my life. And all of a sudden, other compromises come in. I, I want to go to the clubs. And I want to hang out with, with some of my friends that party. And I want to go to, on the girls' Vegas trip. And I, because they, they look at all of it, they go, oh, it looks so great. But the truth is this, out of Proverbs, is that sin is fun for a season. But it's all burst out of envy, the desire for something I don't have. And many times it's envy towards the husband's role. I wish it's just not fair, or, or so it's the husband. Sometimes I, I, you know, I wish I could, I could do this, or wish I could do that. And my family is 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 holding me down now, and all of that is envy. And it's what happens is. The truth of every, or sorry, the the root of every deception is a little bit of truth. The truth is this, is that, wives, you do lose yourself with babies and kids and busyness and you're exhausted and you're tired. You do. That's why you need to come alongside and to to put up the, the, the white flags. I need some help. 
And husbands, you need to respond to that and encourage and strengthen and put your life on hold and serve your wife and be with her. Because the fact is, she's probably not being appreciated. She's probably not being loved. She's probably not being taken care of. She's not taking care of herself. And we all know this, a healthy mama is a healthy home. Amen? But the truth of all of this is, is that envy can set in. And in our tiredness, in our weakness, the enemy can exploit it if we're not totally surrendered to the Lord. And we don't have other voices speaking to us in our journey. Envy ruins relationships because it causes conflict and tension. The other thing that envy does in our relationships, number three, it leads to resentment and then bitterness. It's a progression. When Paul was writing about people who were living by the flesh, they weren't, they weren't walking in the spirit. They were, they were struggling in their own weakness. He writes this to Titus. He said, listen, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That does not sound like a good life. Where there is envy, there's every evil work. You're being hated and hate one another, and I hate you, you hate me. Okay, good. It leads to resentment and then bitterness. We can resent other people because we're envious. Can be of their house, their kids, their spouse, their car, their success. And we think, I deserve what they have. How come they have it and I don't? We can envy other people's achievement. We can envy other people's beauty. Listen, just so you know, there's always somebody that looks better than you. Just so you're aware. Everybody say amen to that. You can even envy other people's spirituality. Maybe it sounds like this. How come her husband is, is more spiritual than my husband? I deserve a husband who's spiritual. How come his wife is more spiritual than my wife? You start envying. You become envious. And then another step further in our envy is, is this simple thing. You know what? I deserve that more than they do. I deserve it more than they do. The other side is where we, we're never real and we're never honest about our lives because we want to put on the image so that other people can be envious of us. And our social media world allows us to get away with that type of stuff because we want other people to envy our lives James, again, 3.16 says this. For where you have envy, you will find disorder and every practice. So where you find envy, you're going to find other areas of dysfunction. How you process, how you think, how you relate to people, how you interact, interact in your relationships with people. And envy also leads to other sins. Because you have every evil practice present where you have envy that leads to gossip, to try to pull someone else down and try to, try to paint somebody else in a corner so they, they don't look as good. It could lead to stealing because you're, you're, you're wanting to, to get more so that you can, you can have what someone else has. Let's just be honest. It leads to us cheating on our taxes. Everybody say, oh, too close. It can lead to adultery. It can lead to murder. It can lead to compromise of values. It can lead to loss of integrity. It can lead to loss of friendships. It especially can lead to loss of friendships when, when one of your friends succeeds or God blesses them 
All of a sudden, there's a, there's a distance. Or when one of, one of your friends gets a, a, a position of, of leadership or their family is all of a sudden known a little more, all of a sudden, hmm, there's a little distance now. Hmm. This is what it causes. Envy is real. Joseph's brothers envied that Joseph had favor on his life that led them to, to breaking that relationship. Envy's real. They sold him into slavery because they couldn't stand that there was favor on his life. Saul envied David, who was also Saul's son-in-law. So he wanted to try to kill him. He chased him to kill him. He tried to pin him to a wall with a, with a, by throwing a javelin at him. Why? Because he envied him. It ate him from the inside out. So envy is real. So keys to getting rid of envy in our lives. And we're going to move through these quickly today. Number one, here's, here's the first key. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing. There's a song that goes, uh, well, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, you can. You, no, you can't. Yes, I can. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. We don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. In other words, we, we do not compare ourselves with people who are always talking about them, themselves anyway. It's just not healthy. It's never going to serve you well. But the, the fact is this, you, we must stop comparing because it affects our lives. And here's the truth. Nothing causes your car to be more outdated any faster than your neighbor buying a new one. <laughs> you're like, look at my car. You're like, oh, shoot. Look at their car. <laughs> look at Galatians chapter 6. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone. There's nothing wrong with taking pride in yourselves. If it's, if it's submitted and measured by, by God. But without, what we, we're to do it without comparing themselves to someone else. Your value and your worth has nothing to do with how you measure up to other people. Zero. Zero. Our, the, the world and the lie of the world is you compare yourself to somebody else in order to, to tell how successful or unsuccessful you actually are. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's envy. Your value and your worth has everything that the God of the universe adores you cares for you, is for you, is with you, is not against you, provided a way for you to come into his kingdom, has blessings for you, that you are now and you get to inherit the inheritance of Jesus Christ, of God through Jesus Christ. You get the inheritance of Abraham through God in Jesus Christ. You are fully valued in love. Has nothing to do with your performance or how much money you make or don't make or what house you live in or what, what neighborhood you live in or how many vacations you go on. It has nothing to do, zero, with your value. You're valued because you're God's child. And so we need to stop comparing with other people. God is proud of you. He loves you. 
When you walk in the room, he says, that's my girl. That's my boy. I love you. He's smiling. He adores you. Don't let anybody, any person, any pastor in the world tell you that God thinks of you any differently. If you are in Christ, you are accepted. You were clothed in his righteousness. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't see your weakness, your mistakes, the things that you messed up on yesterday. He sees you just like he sees his son, and he's so proud of you. Amen. Second key to getting rid of envy is number two, you must accept the way God has made you. Just accept the way that God's made you. In other words, you do you. You be you. So much pressure to always be somebody that you're not. Yes, we strive to improve our lives. We strive to to learn new things. We come underneath the submission of God's word. But if all we do is find things that are wrong with us, and if all we do is are negative about who we are, it will cause us to be insecure. It will cause us to not live and walk in the confidence that God wants us to walk in. It will cause us to be looking at everybody else to try to find um, something that we can compare ourselves to. And when we, are, when we are insecure, we are uncomfortable with people who can be more educated than us, maybe c- carries themselves differently or with confidence. We can be insecure when, when somebody is better looking than us that's in the room. Or someone is more known or more popular or people are more aware of who they are. And when we don't see ourselves the way that God sees us, we can shrink back. And once we begin to shrink back, we become envious of everybody else. But God wants you to walk boldly as who he made you to be. He wants you to understand he created you, designed you for a purpose and for a reason. God says, I... I, that I made you, therefore accept who you are and who I made you to be. The little quirky things about you, don't, don't look at them as negative. Yeah, if you need to correct them, okay, make some correction to them. But there are great things about you that nobody else has. There is no one like you in the world. There, there, there is no other person in the world that is like you. We need you. I need you. Please don't try to be like somebody else. Please Be you and walk in who you are because God shaped you and made you that way. There's an old saying that says this. It says this, that all of us are born an original. Most of us will die a copy. Accept who you are. And take who you are under the submission of God's word and the submission of God's principles and truth. And embrace who that person is to the glory and to the honor of God. If you will do that, you will have more peace in your relationships. Look at Psalm 139. Look at this beautiful, beautiful psalm. For you created, this is David writing, talking about you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. In other words, I'm kind of a big deal. Because you made me one God. The passage goes on in 16 through 18. says this. Your eyes. Now look, look at this powerful truth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. That's not a pro-life message, right? I don't know what it is. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
In other words, God is, he's delights in you. He, you were born intentionally. You were not a mistake. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. God, how vast is the sum of them. Where I count them. If I were to count them, they would, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. Here's this whole idea. In other words, God's always thinking about you. He's always rooting for you. He's always cheering you on because he created you. And he has a plan for you. Now, I know this, this doesn't mean that everything that happens in our life is God's will. I'm, I'm fully aware of that. But God has commissioned us to contend for his will. That's why we're to pray. God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to contend for it because God has amazing things for you. And if you will allow God, he won't waste any circumstance regardless of how painful it was for you. If you'll just allow him, he won't waste it. Everyone wants to make a difference in their life. God, God has called you to do that. God, God has called you to, to make an impact that only you can make. But this is what I know. This is what I've had to learn in my own life. My greatest impact, my greatest anointing flows from me being me. Flows from me just embracing who I am. Listen, there's always, there's tons of pressure, especially as a pastor, tons of pressure to be more like this person and be more like that. Especially when you, when you, when you take in and you, and you start stepping into the leadership of, of, of leading after someone else has led a church for many, many years. So you're going to be like him. You're going to be like Pastor George. You're going to try to do things his way. You're going to talk like him. You're going to preach like him. You're going to have his same vision. You're going to, no, I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me. And some people, I don't like that. Well, that's fine. I've, I've, I've got one job. I'm going to be unique to how God's called me to be. And you should as well. Because your greatest anointing is going to flow out of what God's called you to be. Your greatest anointing is you embracing who you are and to be who God's called you to be. God wants you to make a difference. So here's the question. So, well, Jason, how do I know how I'm created? Just simple questions. What are you gifted in? What is it that just comes natural to you? What is it that you love doing and you want to be more gifted in it? What are the desires of your heart? True story. This week, a friend of mine over coffee says, Jason, what are the desires of your heart? I was like, I used to know. I don't know. And I realized, man, I, I've, been, I've been doing stuff. I've been so busy and trying to move things this direction and that direction. and I've, I've forgotten. How did God make me? What resonates in my, what turn, turns my bones on fire? What keeps me up at night and wakes me in the morning? What is it that I just can't wait to do? I thought, oh my gosh, I, I don't know. So I've, I've started a journey this, this week. God, help me to cut through all the busyness in my own heart and actually see what are the desires of my heart that you've placed in there. I'm talking about a heart that's submitted to Jesus, a heart that's submitted to the word of God. I'm not talking about desires that we have that violate the word of God. That's not what I'm talking about. Just because you have a desire to do something does not mean it's from God. I promise you that. I'm talking about a heart that's submitted to the truth of who God is. What are the desires of your heart? And then begin to walk that out. Pursue those things. Where do you feel God's pleasure? 
The truth is this, God wants you to become everything that he's called you to be. And when you start to be who God's called you to be, you have a smile on your face the whole way. I promise you. You're excited. You face opposition, you're like, well, this is fun. This is what God's put in my heart. If you're trying to do something that isn't you, you're gonna, it's going to exhaust you. You're going to get stressed out. You're going to get depressed. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to be freaked out. That's what's going to happen. But when you walk in who God's called you to be, you're going to have a grace to be you. You're going to have a grace to speak like you, to, to function like you, to in the workplace be you. The greatest gift you could give God is for you to be who he has called you and created you to be. It's the greatest gift. Amen? Another way to get rid of envy in your life is number three, be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what you have. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says this, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Don't sit in your house and be like, I wish I had a bigger house. Enjoy your house. Wish I had a bigger TV. Well, watch your own TV. Be thankful for it. Wish I had a bigger refrigerator. <laughs> Enjoy your refrigerator. God, thank you. Thank you for my refrigerator. Thank you for my, for my house. Turn on the water. Lord, I'm thankful I have running water. This is pretty cool. I've been in places where they didn't have running water. Be thankful for what you have. Take an inventory of what you're thankful for. Stop taking an inventory of what you don't like in your life. Stop it. That will not serve you ever. Ever. Begin to be thankful. and It will break envy off of your life. It will break the poison of envy off of your life. Philippians 4.11 says this. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. <laughs> I've learned to be content. Contentment is a discipline. Paul says this, I've learned. Didn't say that it came natural. We learn to be content. We watch our mouths. We, 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 we're disciplined what we allow ourselves to think. In our marriages, we don't, we don't talk. To, I, I, I wish you made more money so we could do this. We don't, we don't say that we're content. I think many of us, though, can. Actually, before I get there, let me just give you this next key, and then I'll, I'll talk about it. The last key is this. How do we break envy off of our life? We need to celebrate when others are blessed. We need to celebrate when others are blessed. This will unlock your ability to receive God's blessing in your life. It, it will, I'm telling you. Learn the discipline of celebrating when someone else is blessed. Jesus said this in Mark 12, love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, when you are blessed, you celebrate. You celebrate within and without. You celebrate. Love your neighbor. What does that mean? Well, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself or love whoever it is around you as yourself, when they are blessed, you're celebrating. You're high-fiving them. That's awesome. Can I have some? Would you celebrate with them? That's so cool. Oh, man, God's so good to you. Why? Because that's love. Because love is happy when other people are blessed. Love wants the best for others. Love celebrates when people succeed and are blessed. It's, it's actually, it's the exact opposite of envy. 
Romans 12 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice. That's what, a, that's what a follower of Jesus does, rejoices when other people rejoice. Envy, envy rejoices when people fail, when people fall, when things don't work out. They're like, huh, see, didn't work out. And deep inside, you're like, I'm glad that happened. See, envy, the truth is this. Envy wants, envy says this, I want my grass to be greener and I want your grass to die. And envy delights in that. Hmm. Envy gets a little smirk on its face when something doesn't work out for somebody else. Hmm. Serves you right. Envy gets sad and mad when other people are blessed. God said, this isn't godly. This is not, this is not right. I think the truth, I think, with envy is many of us struggle, actually, with celebrating the success of other people. Like, why didn't, why didn't I get that opportunity? Why didn't I get that promotion? Why, didn't, why, why wasn't I recognized or acknowledged? Envy sits around, have pity parties all the time. They, they just don't know what I really do around here. How come they get all the attention? It also sounds like this. How come they're getting married and I'm still single? How come they're pregnant and we're not? How come they're in Hawaii and I'm sitting around a blow-up pool in my backyard? That's what I want to know. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Envy keeps you from enjoying what God's doing in other people's lives. Envy gets mad at God and says, that's not fair. But I think envy, if you're not able to celebrate when other people are blessed, I think, I think it's deeply rooted in this, this whole idea that, if, that if, I, if I celebrate someone else's success, it means that I'm failing. It means that, that I'm I'm less than. That's just not true. It's just not true. God is not short. And God God doesn't have a a limited amount of blessings. If you find yourself in that situation, here's probably the truth. God is wanting to bless you. But because there are some character issues in your life that you can't even celebrate when someone else is blessed, you're not ready for God's blessing. You're just not ready. Like if you had two kids and one of the kids got, got a present. And instead of celebrating with the kids, the kid freaks out and throws a fit. That's not fair. How come Johnny gets this and I didn't get this and I didn't? Listen, as a parent, you, you, you shouldn't run out and buy them the gifts so that they're happy. No, you're going to be like, what do you? Celebrate with your brother. Be, be happy for them. And the more fit they throw, the, the more you're like, Listen. I need to teach you, you need to celebrate when your brother's blessed. You need to celebrate when your sister is blessed. And it's the opposite. Imagine this. A sibling gets a gift, and you know that other sibling wanted that gift. And the sibling goes, oh, I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. That's really cool. I've been looking at that for months. That's, I'm so happy you have it. As a parent, what do you want to do? 
You want to go buy them a gift? Why? Because you see the purity of their heart. And God, God wants to bless you. I hope you know that. Can we say, say God wants to bless me? Let's say that. God wants to bless me. Some of you, it's the first time you've ever said that. You've lived underneath this condemnation. God wants to bless your socks off. He does. I'm telling you, he does. God wants you to know he loves you. But there are many times he wants to work these character things in us so that he can prepare us for his blessing. He can prepare us for what he has for us. And many times he'll use a situation where he blesses someone else for you to see the things in your own heart. And go, God, I'm sorry. We need to see life through God's perspective. We need to set our minds, as the Colossians 3.2 says, we need to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Not on things that matter in this earth, but on God. The truth is when we make God our number one in our lives, we're going to stop comparing. We're going to start accepting who God has made us to be. You're going to be thankful for what you have, and we're going to start celebrating with others. God wants to do some surgery in our hearts today. And get envy out of our hearts. Get envy out of our thinking, our stinking thinking. And he wants us to take a step forward in our relationships. That we can can be open to God's blessing. We can be a help to our spouses when they go through difficult times. When we don't feel insecure because we're not the center of attention, we actually are okay with that. God wants to set us free today from envy so that we can be healthier and handle our relationships with care. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.